Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Detroit Lions Breakdown Podcast. I'm Joe Kenya. With me, as always, is Eric Schlitt from PrideOfDetroit.com. Uh, Eric, it's combine time. Uh, it's time to look at what the Lions uh, might want in the upcoming NFL draft. It's, although the, the previous three drafts under Holmes and Campbell have, have been quite exciting. This one's, uh, this one's there's a little more... Um, I don't know gusto behind a little more. I, I, I don't know how to put it. You know, this is the, the <laughs> hopefully the final pieces of the puzzle, right? Sure. Yeah. Cause you're, you know, you, you're at a point in the organizational structure where you are shifting how you're adding players, right? The first few years you were adding just the best talent that you could find because you're hoping these guys are going to contribute. Now you're at a point where you maybe are being more deliberate with the types of players that you're adding. Um, you're well within your Super Bowl window. The door has been kicked open for the Super Bowl. So you are no longer in the rebuild mode, right? You are in Super Bowl mode. And uh, it could change the dynamic dynamics and how you approach. Um, also, with three years of rebuilding, there's a lot less spots open. Uh, that where you can just draft a guy and see how he how he fits in. This year, you know, you may get a guy or two that can challenge to start, and that might be it, because they are one. They're picking late in the first round, picking 29th, right? And then right. Um, they have seven picks. Their fourth round pick 29 in the fourth round. They turned into a third round because of the Hawkinson trade a couple years ago. So they've got the Vikings third round pick, which is like in the 70s instead of the 90s. And, um, but so that gives them four picks in the top 100. So they're going to probably get four really good players, but I mean, the third round at, at this point, what we saw last year, uh, third rounders don't necessarily mean those players are going to play, uh, they're, they can be developmental players. They can be depth players that are, uh, you know, for the, for the future. So it's going to be an, a, a different draft. You know, they got, they had four guys that all came in and started last year. Two of them were pro bowlers. One of them was an all pro. You're not going to get that in this class. You're just not. If, if he lands another four starters in this class, my goodness, uh, it would be Super Bowl. Right, exactly. Um, so what we're going to do today is we're going to speculate on. Uh, speculate which... wildly. <laughs> yeah, right. Because that's the thing is we don't, we he, he's at a point where he's, we don't know up. what he's going to do next. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so everything should really be on the table, but we're going to try and narrow the focus a little bit. We're going to talk uh, about different position groups. We'll go position by position, like always. And um, we'll look at some guys that maybe we should be looking at just as football fans. We'll look at some guys that maybe some opponents might be targeting. And then we'll, but we'll spend the majority of time talking about guys that, that, you know, fit in with the lions. And based on what we talked about last week with the needs and the need levels, there's going to be, uh, you know, some groups we spend a little bit more time on than others. All right. So one group that we probably won't spend as much time as others on is the quarterbacks. That's where we'll start with 14 quarterbacks have been invited to the combine. The Lions drafted Hendon hooker in the third round last year. Also have Jared Goff under contract for one more year and potentially with an extension on the horizon for many more after that unlikely they'll select one of these 14 guys uh in the upcoming draft although mm -hmm. you did point out with what you just said is they 
Lions fans, we might want to be looking at a couple of these other guys because they might end up playing for the uh, opposition next season. Yeah, like the the Bears and the Vikings are in positions where they may target one of the top quarterbacks in this class. Um, you know, the Bears have pick one and pick nine. Uh, it's possible that they are going to move on from the Justin Fields experiment and shift towards uh, a new quarterback. Uh, the Vikings, uh, Kirk Cousins is in a contract year, and it's unclear if they're going to be able to bring him back. And so they may be looking at a quarterback. They're picking 11th. So, you know, the top four guys on my board are Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, and J.J. McCarthy. I think the four of them are all off the board in the first 11 picks. Uh, that's my projection. Uh, it wouldn't be surprising to see quarterback go one, two, three, and then we'll see what happens with JJ. I don't see him getting past Minnesota at 11 though. Uh, it's possible Bo Nix ends up sneaking into the first round at some point. Michael Penix is an outside shot at that. I don't think he'll make it in. I don't think really Nick should make it in either, but you know, with quarterback being the position it is, it's very possible that you see a team try and reach for Bo and, uh, and bring him in. Cause he made some made nice progress uh, shifting from uh, Auburn to Oregon. So could be as many as, uh, as you know, six quarterbacks, more likely it's going to be four or five, but it's a, a quarterback friendly class at the top. And that being said, I don't think there's anyone who is a true, you know, home run guaranteed, no matter what type of thing. There's, there's not a, um, there's not a Trevor Lawrence in this class, right? There's not a Joe Burrow in this class, uh, but there are some really talented quarterbacks that have a chance to develop into some, you know, to be that at, to get to that level. But right. um, they all have flaws. They all, they all have flaws no. in them and in their games. And uh, it'd be exciting to see how it goes. Now the bears, have the first pick and the almost universal number one pick uh, or, you know, projected pick is, is Caleb Williams from USC. Very dynamic player. Um, I have already answered this question uh, on my, uh, on the pride of Detroit podcast and I've written about it too, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Would you rather as a lions fan, would you rather see the bears stick with Justin Fields mm. and and maybe trade out or just take like maybe like Marvin Harrison, or would you rather see them take Caleb Williams, who is projected to be maybe a better uh, a better quarterback? What would you rather see happen? Ooh. Well, if you you take Caleb Williams, it probably delays the rebuild like yep. one or two years, right, out of the Bears. So that would be good for the Lions as their window is open now. Yep. Um, but we, we've seen what, uh, fields, the danger fields poses to the lions defense and the lions struggle against those mobile quarterbacks and, and who, and, and the lions defense could be totally upgraded, totally different, you know, kind right. of going into next year or two years from now. Certainly. Um, so I don't know. I could really go either way on this one. Like I could see pros for either one. Part of me would 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 rather them trade away Fields and take Williams, yeah. uh, just because we know what Fields is capable of. But at the same time, you know, like Fields might be great against the Lions, but he's really not 
great against anybody else. So like <laughs> he might just crap out anyways as a quarterback. Right. So maybe you want them trading that number one pick and getting pieces around fields. My, uh, my position is uh, your coach barely made it through uh, last season without getting fired. He's on the hot seat this year. If you draft a rookie quarterback and that rookie quarterback does not perform kind of like what happened with Bryce Allen in uh, or Bryce young Bryce in Carolina, um, then you could end up seeing them fire the coach. And if they fire the coach, then that, it, that gives the quarterback a, a, you know, two systems to learn in his first two years. And that delays the rookie development. So you could end up both ways, you know, causing problems. And if you end up shifting to the new quarterback, um, it's, I, I think I'd almost rather go with the devil. You don't know here. Right. As opposed to the devil you do. Right. Um, but no, go, keep hmm? going. I, I was going to say, yeah, go ahead, please. What if you have K what if they do uh, following your, your train of thought, which is fine, yeah. which is good. Caleb Williams, he's a bear, but they mm-hmm. fire, um, Eberflus. New coach may like Caleb. They might be able to get a good coach to come in <laughs> to coach Caleb. So maybe it would be a maybe. bad thing at the same well, time. Maybe. And, uh, but it's also the bears and uh, they've put themselves in a position where nothing really lines up properly for themselves. And uh, I think if you start over a quarterback, all it does is add to the layers of delay. And so uh, with the lion's window opening, I'd like the bears to uh, fumble around all they want trying mm-hmm. to figure things out. And so I'm on the trade Justin Fields and take Caleb Williams and start again type of uh, that's the boat I'm in. All right. Um, I don't know. That's probably pretty much it for the quarterbacks really. Yeah. No, nobody. Don't, I mean, if you look at the list and you follow college football, you know, all these guys, you know, yeah. like maybe not as much Austin Reed, and Michael Pratt from Tulane, but Tulane's been good the last couple of years. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know. You'll be seeing who you see and yeah. The only Lions guy that, aren't going to take any of these guys. The only, the only one that intrigues me is that it's possible. Jordan Travis's broken leg drops his stock. And like, if it drops his stock to the point where he's like there in the seventh round or a UDFA, then he's got enough upside that you could you're in a spot where you could take him and just kind of stash and develop like you did with Hendon last year. So interested to see how Jordan Travis's stock reacts because of his, uh, his injury. Other than that. Yeah. I'm with you. I don't see anybody that's forcing me to, uh, to select them. All right. Next group is um, the running backs. So once again, not a not a position of great need with uh, with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs leading the charge and potentially Craig Reynolds returning and they they yeah. they seem to be pretty set at the running back yeah. position. But you know, there's a bevy of players. You know, there's a good thirty guys that are going to be at the the combine. And mm-hmm. I don't know what, if the Lions are looking for a running back. Where do you think they would take one? I I, I think they'd be looking on day three. Um, essentially that you'd be trying to get a guy that maybe you think can upgrade your RB three spot. doesn't make sense to draft an RB four, right? So the only reason you're going to draft a player is if you think he's better than Craig Reynolds. Right. And so I don't know, 
it's it's hard to project with running backs who's going to be there on day three because you know based on like the consensus boards and where players are ranked you've got like 12 running backs that are supposed to go on day two right and so second and third round maybe maybe fourth in, in those some a lot of them will go in the fourth round too but like of those 12 you know lions don't have a fourth round pick so like you're taking like the first 12 15 running backs off the board is anyone that's left going to be better than Craig Reynolds? It's hard to say. I identified a couple of guys in my watch list um, that I thought had potential. They were familiar with gap schemes. Um, they had, you know, a trait that I thought was unique enough that they were, that they're worth uh, watching. Um, Vidal from, from Troy is uh, an excellent pass blocker. And he'll be a guy that uh, I thought had some some nice skills to his game overall that was made him kind of more of a complete back, not exceptional in any really one way beyond his blocking, uh, but steady. Uh, Schrader, you know, that's this is like a third down guy. Um, Laub uh, from New Hampshire, he's a third down guy. Laub is actually he's kind of Danny like Danny Woodhead where. He caught like 85 balls last year or something ridiculous like College that. College football? Wow. Yeah. Right. Um, well, it's New Hampshire. So yeah, New yeah. Hampshire. Um That's uh, where Juwan, Chip Kelly came from. <laughs> Jawar Jordan from Louisville is a elite speed guy. Um, so he taught my attention. And then Dylan Johnson's coming off some injuries. Uh he played, he's the Washington back. Uh, he fought through a lot of injuries as at Washington, still ran for a thousand yards. Uh, he's a guy who I think is not getting a ton of love could be there in the fifth round and you could find some value. So those guys were, were kind of the guys that stood out to me that, um, you know, beyond the top, like 12 or 15 or whatever it was, I think it was beyond the top 12 guys. Um, but are they better than Craig? I don't know. That's the question. And I, I do think Craig comes back because of that ERFA and um, be nice to add some, some, you know, competition at the same time, you're also going to probably bring back Zonovan Knight. Then you're also going to have Jermar Jefferson, and um, and you added Funk on the on a futures deal as well. So there's six deep already at running back. There's there. It, this is not pressing. This is a I've shown up. Uh, a player has shown up in a spot that I didn't expect him to be at, and I think he can be better than what we have, and therefore I'm willing to take a pick on him. But Beyond that, it's not a really big position to need. Dylan Laub caught 68 passes for 699 yards and seven touchdowns. Also scored nine rushing. So 16 TDs, a little over 1,400 yards from scrimmage. Interesting guy right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, the guys that I picked, I all thought were interesting in, in one facet or another. And there's a couple other guys that are like you're going to find on day three, like Frank Gore Jr., um, Frank Gord Jr. Right, it's gonna be a he lot of a lot like of him. a lot of durability in his genes, a lot of longevity. <laughs> no, for sure. Um, Imani Bailey from TCU is a guy that people are gonna know. Dewan Edwards from Georgia is a guy that people are gonna know. So, I mean, there's some names that are out there, and then and then if if guys slide, who knows, right? Because we've all talked about running back being devalued, and guys that should go early don't. And 
you know, all of a sudden you end up with, uh, you know, a talented guy that with Will Shipley up... on the roster, like, it's, it's, and and we'll we'll never know what guys have caught Brad Holmes's eye or one of the scout right. eyes or whatever, but I, I it's certainly a possibility. Also, that Vidal, the first guy you brought up, I I do like the idea of having a, a running back, you know, buried on the bench that can pass block. You know, especially if yeah. you know Montgomery or Gibbs gets hurt, you know, is missing part of a game, and you know, yep. you want somebody to come in that'll be able to pick up protections you know because you can't have just gibbs or just montgomery out there and every down yep that's about it for me uh like i said a lot of a lot of the top guys i don't expect to draw interest just because the the need versus value isn't there all right let's move on to wide receiver which is actually a position that could be a position of need for the lions once again there's you know roughly uh it's actually going to be more like 40 guys that are invited to the combine, the wide receiver position. This is a yeah. position the Lions might be looking to draft, you know, with the Josh Reynolds being a free agent, uh, with Amon Ra and Jamison Williams likely holding down the other two starting spots if you consider three starting receivers in the starting lineup. Um, Lions definitely not in play for guys like Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, or Romeo Dunze. You know that are at the top of the list, but you know what? What could be some guys that the Lions could be interested in, whether it be at twenty nine, or in that second or third round? Yeah, there's a lot of wide receiver X guys in this class, and that's really where the Lions um, have a need. And so, this puts I think wide receiver in play for the Lions pretty much at any point in the draft, um, especially if Josh Reynolds is not a guy they're viewing as like part of the long term plans. So is it a priority? Absolutely not. Um, especially if you bring Josh back, but there's talent out there. And if Brad sees a talented guy that falls into his lap, he'll, he'll take him. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think the three you, you mentioned are all top 10 guys, um, maybe top 12, but they're all going to go early all to a point where one of them to the, the bears line, potentially. Yeah. Right. And, uh, but for the lions to have to trade up and try and get one of them, it'd, it'd cost too much. So I think I would can... say it's unlikely. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, neighbors running mate, Brian Thomas at LSU this kind of fits into that DJ tar- shark mode. Um, he, is, he can be an X. He's a bigger body. He's, he is, he's like almost six, four. Uh, one of my favorites is Keon Coleman from uh, Michigan state and, and, but coming out of FSU here, another six, four, two fifteen, um, probably led the college football in wow catches last year. Right. He made a yep. bunch of wow catches. Very athletic. Yeah. Um, former Spartan basketball player as well. Adonde Mitchell from Texas is another six, four, 200 pound guy who, um, is a really difficult matchup with a lot of speed. All three of those guys could be in play at 29, right? Um, will they? I don't know, but they all could be. And they're all guys that are, would be upgrading the position. The difficult challenge here is you only have one football, right? And it goes to Amon Ra first, and then it goes, it's going to probably go to Sam Laporte second, right? And, and then JMO third. Or and, Jameer Gibbs third. Right. And so where does this new fresh, new, new first round pick 
where does he fit in? Because you, there's only going to be like Jared likes to throw the ball around and they have a lot of talent to throw the ball around. And so is he going to, are you comfortable drafting Keon Coleman? If he's only going to catch 40 passes for you, it, are you know, are you comfortable spending the, the first round capital to grab him? Seems when you like a luxury item. It does. At the same time, he's absolutely worth it, right? Like his value is there. And so if Brad looks at him and says, boy, we're going to, you know, maybe reorganize our offense a little bit. So we're just going to outscore everybody. Then Keon Coleman could be a really fun addition to the group. And so, yeah, it, it's, it'll be interesting. I don't see them going this way, uh, but I think you absolutely have to consider them. Uh, try, right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go. So, then beyond that, right? Like they don't mm-hmm. use a first, you don't use that first round pick. I'm one yeah. of those big X receivers. They, you know, they're dabbling. They pick an edge defender. They pick a cornerback. They surprise, they, they pick an interior offensive lineman. They pick, you know, a defense, a defensive tackle there at the end of the first it, sure. and, or some combination first, second, both third round picks who would be a guy we should watch at the combine later mm-hmm. in the draft that the Lions might be looking at in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Well, I or think trade even, up in the fourth to get. I, I think even if they were looking in the third, there's some talented guys um, like th- that have unique skill sets. And then there's even a couple of X's that, like I said, this is a deep wide receiver X class. A guy like Devontae Walker out of North Carolina, uh, Jerry Rice's son, Brendan Rice, uh, who played at USC. Both those guys can be X's that you can probably find in round three. And uh, they would be guys that that you could challenge to upgrade uh, Josh Reynolds. Plus, you can also justify maybe not give you know only giving them forty receptions a year because you're spending the third rounder on them. Um, you know, there's a couple of guys I don't have great feels on that I know there's certain people that really like them, like Jermaine Burton. Uh, I kind of feature I featured him earlier in the year uh, out of Alabama. He's not really exceptional like a lot of other Alabamas, but he's real consistent and he can, um, he's very capable. He would be a guy because I think he's got a lot of experience that would be a nice fit. Um, Aeneas Smith from Texas AM is a running back slash slot receiver. He's kind of like uh, Khalif Raymond. He's a guy I've liked for a couple of years. I've profiled him for a couple of years. Um, I don't know though, with extending Khalif, how well of a fit he is. He's just, he's a player I like. And if you're looking for football players, he's a football player. Um, the guy that, that stands out to me the most though, is uh, Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint from Georgia. Great name. He's another wide receiver X. You're probably going to get him late, like late, late, like five, fifth, sixth, seventh round type of thing. Um, he's not exceptional as a pass catcher. He's good, uh, but not exceptional. He's a decent route runner. He's got good size, but he is a devastating blocker. And, um, that is something that the lions prioritize. So we've talked previously about the fact that that wide receiver five slot is a guy that they want to be reliable that they can put in, in certain situations for certain to, to be able to do certain things. They used Marvin last year there. Then they, then they went to people's Jones. 
if you draft a guy like Rosemary Saint, you could put him in a fifth spot, play him on special teams, and then put him out on the field for certain blocking type situations where you can let him excel. And then a- as you develop his his offensive game as a, as a pass catcher. So he really stands out to me as a guy that fills a need, does the things the right way that the Lions want, and you're going to probably get him late in the draft. Rosemary Jack Saint, 47 career college games, 74 receptions only. So that's you know averaging less than two receptions a game. Senior year, 34 catches, 535 yards, only four touchdowns. That's his best season for all three of those categories in his career. So interesting character. What didn't get heavy uses at Georgia, although he would have been hidden a bit by Brock Bowers and some of the other talented guys they have. So yeah, that's would... interesting. But yeah. you have to be able to block if you're going to be a Lions wide receiver. Yeah, and he takes it, it's what he prides himself on. So, like, it is very much part of his game, and it is what he wants to do. So, you know, he's okay being down the pecking order. He's been down the pecking order, but um, he's got the chops to, to play in the NFL. We did mention locally Keon Coleman, or semi-locally. Mm-hmm. Roman Wilson, you also kind of have on your your uh, radar. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, two of the guys you don't have on the radar, and I'm guessing because it's the same Amon Ross, St. Brown, and uh, um, Khalif Raymond, um, mm-hmm. uh, having them already on the roster. Yeah. Washington wide receivers, Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan, who the Michigan fans and probably most college football fans will remember from the, the playoff and from the championship yeah. game and everything. I like Polk quite a bit more than McMillan. McMillan's more of a slot. I think Polk can be like an X slot or a Z slot. I mean, where he's more of a speed threat. Um, if I had my my choice, I would go with Polk. Polk. Um, I think he's got more potential. He's a little bit younger as well, and so that's certainly going to help. Um, I do think McMillan's a little redundant with what with some of the things that they have, though. Uh, you're going to find a few guys on the board that are kind of like this. I like with Wilson. The reason I like Roman Wilson higher than them is because he's, he's a precise route runner. He's got the elite speed. He can play on the outside a little bit more. He can play on the inside. Like there's just more, a more well-rounded game overall for him. Um, even though there, if there could very well be a team that looks at him and say, that says your slot. And we're going to put you in the slot. And then another team that looks at him and says, we're going to make, we're going to turn you into the next Tyler Lockett, where you're just going to run down the, the field and like be a, this tough, precise route runner. So there's, it, it's a deep class. Like it's, it, there's, there's a lot of guys that we could pick out and talk about. Like there's, there's a ton of people that are probably, you know, wondering why I'm, I haven't talked at all about, Johnny Wilson from Florida State, the six foot seven, two hundred and thirty-five pound, you know, wide receiver who is who, by the way, is an excellent run blocker. Uh, but that's really because he's the size of a tight end and he runs mm-hmm. like it and he kind of plays like it. And so, in my opinion, I don't see him as this like mismatch wide receiver that his size kind of alludes to. He's not a dynamic receiver in my opinion. And he's, I am, I, he's going to go midday three in my, if I, you know, if I'm projecting him correctly. So a lot of people don't like him because though that size is appealing. And uh, I just don't think he's of the talent. 
to to find his way higher up the board. All right, that's it for the wide receivers group. Moving over to tight end, I believe there's going to be 16 tight ends in uh, at the combine. Tight end, as we discussed in our last episode, really not a position of uh, you know much. Uh, lines aren't requiring new tight ends. They they right. pretty much have their group set. Uh, yeah, as but, long as they bring as long as they bring Brock right back, which we we ex- fully expect to happen. But there are still a couple of guys on this list that you you, you can see as been, being potential lines. Definitely not Brock Bowers from Georgia, who's you know head and shoulders above the rest of the um, rest of the prospects for this year. But yeah. what about some of the other guys? Um, again, this is like running back where I don't see them looking this way in with their first four picks this that would be a luxury to get a guy uh like this there's not a very glaring need long term or short term so you're if you're taking a guy you're taking a guy who is um again an excellent blocker probably blocking is their priority or they're unique in their skill set that they can bring you something you don't have um one of my favorite guys is uh Ben Sanat uh, from Kansas State, and then AJ Barner uh, from Michigan. I think they're both really good run blockers. Sanat's a little bit more balanced. Barner's a little bit more focused as a blocker. Um, both those guys, I think, would be upgrades to um, Brock Wright. Uh, even though I think Brock Wright is still very much going to be part of the plans. A guy like uh, Jaheim Bell from Florida State is uh, not quite as tall. He's more of like a fullback H back. Uh, but he can also be in your, you know, at the uh, at like tight end four for you. So um, if the Lions, you know, want to replace Cabinda or maybe they don't, they're getting rid of the fullback position and they want to keep a, a tight end four, a guy like Bell could be interesting because he brings a skill set that they don't have. Uh, and then there's a couple other late guys um, like Jared Wiley from TCU, uh, Span Ford from Minnesota, those are kind of bigger, more inline blockers. Again, um, those are more late, late guys. Like, you know, we're talking like sixth, seventh round, uh, in my opinion. But it's it has some talent, but it's definitely more. This is more like the tight end classes we're used to, as opposed to last year, which had you know a, a massive run at the top. Eight of these 16 guys mm-hmm. at the combine list here, big 10 guys, and that's including the two Washington guys. But, you know, it's half, half of the whole list are yeah. come out of the big 10. That's yeah. an interesting quirk. There's only one Iowa quarterback, uh, tight end this tight year. End. And he's a Michigan um, guy. And he's a former from Michigan. University yep. of Michigan, yep. Uh, Eric All, there's, there's, there's a lot of uh, people that are high on him. Um He's had a back injury that's a little bit troublesome. And Harbaugh didn't want him around anymore. Why would anybody? Uh, want him? Well, no, but I mean, like Iowa, it, I, Iowa targeted him for a reason, and Iowa's got a very you know long reputation. He's he's an athletic guy. Um, I just don't. I don't think he is like your the Iowa tight ends that are in the league, right? He's not that type of Iowa tight end. He's like a he's more of a Michigan tight end than an Iowa tight end. He's more like. He's more Devin Funches than than George Kittle. <laughs> nice name, Paul. Thank you. 
All right, moving inside to offensive tackle. Once again, this is, well, this is a position of need, just not at the top. We have a right tackle, right. we have a left tackle. You know, Decker and Sewell are, are there. They're not going anywhere. But right. there is big, there's, you know, going to be 30 offensive tackles. Matt Nelson, Dan Skipper, both are not under contract with the team. They may be looking for a number three offensive tackle. Yep. And, and like most, uh, you know, drafts we see nowadays, there, there's some really heavy talented, uh, tackles at the top, another couple that are going to end up going in the first round. And so there's probably at least five offensive tackles that end up going in the first, maybe three that go in the top 10. Uh, that's how talented they are. I definitely think the top three will go in the, in the, uh, top three or four will probably go in the first top half of the first rounds anyway. So um, for the lions, you're not going to get one of those top, top guys. You're not going to get the Joe Alts, right? Uh, you're not going to get the Latham's, the Fuagas, the, the, um, the Penn state kid. I always mispronounce his name. Uh, Fashanu. Yep. There you go. Um, those guys are going to go early because they are legitimate tackles. Fuaga from Oregon State's really interesting to me because I think he uh there's a lot of things that would make him fit in with what the Lions want, but I think he's going to go too early. I think he's too talented. The league is I in my opinion I, the league will probably be higher on him than a lot of the analysts are. Um he's as legit tackle starting like day one starting capabilities and and you pay for that. So I'm looking more at the guys on day two that are tackles. Um, the the BYU uh, tackle, uh, Sumataya Ta. Oh my gosh, I just Is butchered that. Sua Mataya Kingsley Sua Mataya. Yeah, that's Penesul's cousin. Uh, they train together every off season for the last six years, and uh, like Panay, he is entering the uh the nfl at a young age he has uh right tackle experience he has left tackle experience and um he projects as a potential guard option as well so it's a talented guy who's going to be a a you know a freak athlete testing at the combine so he's you know, people are going to see his numbers and they're going to, you know, start jumping around, but he's got Sewell's genes, right? Like the DNA is there with this, with this family that they just produce these, these behemoths that are wildly athletic and, and, and he's, he's going to fit in that same boat. So, um, I think he's the type of guy that could challenge to start a guard and then kick out the tackle. Uh, if you move on from Decker, um, I don't, I don't like him in the first round though. And I know there's some people that have projected him to go in the first round. I don't think he's going to go there. I think this is a guy you're looking at in round two. Uh, maybe he slides to round three. I'm thinking round two personally though. Um, but he's a very interesting player that um, I'm keeping my eyes on. There's a couple more like pure right tackles in this class. Blake Fisher from Notre Dame, Christian Jones from Texas, um, even uh, Rose Garden from Washington. I think those are all three guys that could be that are have right tackle experience, but are 
capable of being like swing reserves, OT3, and then all have good ceilings where maybe they develop into a starter down the road. So those are some names to keep an eye on. There's also going to be some tackle guard options. Um, Javon Foster from Missouri is uh, he played left tackle in Missouri. He's from Michigan, grew up in Michigan. Uh, so nice. To, I always like to promote the local kids whenever they come across mm-hmm. my radar. Mm-hmm. It's good. He's pretty good too. So um, he, can, he can be, he can be a swing tackle as well. In my opinion, uh, there's options, I guess is, is where I'm going with this. Uh, the trick will be, will they feel the need to draft a hybrid player that can also play guard because that's typically what they look for in their OT three, both Matt Nelson and skipper are guys that can play both tackle spots and guard. And if they're looking for that type of guy, your pool gets a little bit more shallow uh, of what you're looking to, to, to work through. Um, but there's some, there's some talented tackles. And in my opinion, you, you need to walk out of this draft with one of these guys. You need to have a tackle in mind that you like, and you need to have them, uh, you need to get one in this class uh, for because it's it's a need that you need to up, it's a, a position you need to upgrade and it's a bigger priority than I think a lot of people um, I guess recognize could be a potential starter down the line as well as soon as next year right like because who knows with Decker if he if they decide that they can't find a monetary solution because uh, he's in a contract year look I think Decker's in a, like potential extension candidate in my opinion but if they did if they end up parting ways which would be very odd you may need a guy to start so you got to get you got to get a guy in this class who's insurance and can upgrade your ot3 spot what does duke mean in your list here did they all those guys at one point go to duke <laughs> no they train with duke merriweather oh, okay uh, all right duke duke merriweather is um he's one of the elite trainers of offensive linemen. <laughs> and so Man, I always, what a world this has turned into. <laughs> world. Um, so I like to pick out the guys that Duke trains. Um, Colby Sorsdo trained with Duke last year. Oh, uh, so that doesn't mean that much. Well, but look, this <laughs> well, he, he, he usually, he gets like 15 guys each year. He gets like 15 or 16 guys. And then he just trains just them. Uh, he handpicks them. He gets a lot of people that want to come to his camp and then he picks the guys that he think have the best potential. And um, he does a really nice job. I mean, Colby was a guy who was at a small school. No one had heard of or scouted. Right. right. And, and now he and, plays in the NFL and he's, yeah, he's seen he, a significant he, number of snaps and hasn't exactly. been terrible. It has not right. been terrible. I mean, to get him drafted, that's what Duke brings to the table. And so, that's what I like to pay attention to. Like who's got that Duke experience under their belt, because I think he does some nice things for them. All right. Interior offensive linemen, including both centers and guards, big group, well over 40 guys in this group. Um, This is, you know, we talked about this last week or yeah, last episode, probably two weeks ago. And this is, well-known by everybody who's following the Detroit Lions, anybody who's listening to this podcast, this is a big position indeed for the Lions. Yeah, everybody's in play. Um, there are two lockdown first-rounders, uh, Troy Fatianu and uh, Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon. 
They're, they're different styles of interior uh, linemen. Fatianu is a tackle who's going to play or who can play guard. I'm sorry, a guard who can also play tackle. Powers Johnson is a center who can also play guard. So both these guys can play guard plus another position. They're both highly talented and guys that I, if the Lions traded up to get, I would be completely fine with that. Um, if you're worried about Frank Ragnow, which I don't think you should be or need to be, I guess is, is more accurate. You don't need to be worried about him just yet. Um, a guy like Powers uh, Johnson could be an immediate starter at guard and then shift over to center for the rest of his career after, you know, down the road if he needed to. So he's, he is one of the, the more highly talented interior guys on my radar. Uh, a guy like Graham Barton actually played at Duke, not, um, not training with Duke Merriweather. Right. He played right. at the, the university and uh, he played left tackle, but he will, he, projects to be an interior guy and he probably will play center. Uh, he's highly intelligent, moves really well. And um, he has a skill set that you want at the pivot. Zach Frazier is another center who has the potential to play uh, guard immediately. The thing I like about Zach Frazier is um, every time you learn a little bit more about him, you learn a bit about uh, more about how his, his, uh, I, I mean, more without a, finding a better word, his grit. This is a guy who is <laughs> tough. He's and, on the uh, radar and hard, hard nose. Look, so Zach Frazier is they're they're going into uh, uh, West Virginia is is fighting for their lives in one of the final games of their season. Right? They're 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 they got their opponent on the rope. Zach Frazier, they, they got one timeout left and the clock's ticking and they don't, they don't want to use their timeout. Zach Frazier breaks his leg and instead of staying down to get carted off medically and having them having West Virginia waste their timeout, he crawls or hops, eventually crawls. He hops with a broken leg off the field. So they don't have to waste their timeout and they end up and they, and they end up winning the game because they have that timeout in their pocket that they used later. So this dude broke his leg and, and still got off the field because it was better for the team. Here's where it gets even better though. He did this. Um, let me get the date. He did this on November 25th. Okay. He's already running. He's already training. He's probably going to be at the combine. He's probably like he's. Well, he's it's been up, it's it's nine weeks three, or so. That's it, probably yeah. not that too out of. But I mean, crazy. like to be able, but to, but to be able to get back, train, and get to a point where you're willing to compete, I, I'm impressed by that. Right. So, um, yes, he is. Uh, he is definitely on the radar for me. Uh, Jordan Morgan is a left tackle from Arizona. He's probably going to shift into guard. Another one of these guys that probably is going to have a position switch. So a lot of these guys that we've talked about at the top are, are either switching positions or you may ask them to switch positions. Uh, if you're the Lions, So that's like the top, like five kind of interior guys. And then you get into the guys that I just absolutely love. And I think maybe they're not going to go off the board in the top five, but they're guys that I would, I would, absolutely love if the Lions took them at any point starting with Cooper Beebe uh, Cooper Beebe is in my opinion 
probably going to outplay some of the guys ahead of him that get drafted ahead of him. Like he's a guy who is um, heavy gap scheme uh, experience, right? So colleges don't run a lot of gap, but the NFL does run a lot of gap and Alliance run a lot of gap. Now you don't have to, you have to know zone. You have to know gap. That's part of just being an offensive lineman. But for most college athletes, they don't have a ton of experience in that gap setting. So when they get to the NFL and the and specifically the lines and lines are going to say, hey, you're going to run a lot of gap. It's a bigger learning curve for these players. But if you can find a college player that comes from a, a scheme that runs a lot of gap, the transition is shorter. The learning curve is shorter. And then these players can get on the field more. When you add on top of it, the fact that they're just that they're also maulers and very physical and aggressive and have that mindset, I think BB is going to be an impressive uh, player right off the bat. Plug and play uh, guard. He played left guard at Kansas State. The other one, Zach Zinter. Uh, Zinter broke multiple legs, multiple bones in his leg, and he's expected to be out longer. But Zinter is a guy who can play left and right and potentially center. And he's going to give you the Graham Glasgow package. Uh, you know, another he's another, another Michigan guy, right? Zinter is a hard-nosed leader, captain of the of the program. He's a a player that the team turned to when they needed something. And he started the season as OG one on most analyst boards, and the injury kind of knocks him down quite a you know a, a bunch of pegs here. Christian Hayes is another guy that I think is absolutely awesome. Uh, another right guard he played at UConn reminds me of my old boy Larry Warford. Uh, this is a guy that I think is can is a good people mover, good head on his shoulders, nice and composed. All three of these guys have a chance to to outplay their slot that they get drafted in, in my opinion. And then you have a bunch you have a bunch of other guys too, like that are going to be in the mix as potential starters, Christian Mahogany is another, you know, gap sound guy. Isaiah Adams from Illinois is a tackle. This uh, He played guard, shifted out the tackle this past season because of injury. Uh, he's a, a talented player. He's working with Duke. Uh, Cedric Von Prahn, uh, the Georgia center, has the potential to play um, uh, on the interior as well. Dominic Pundy or Punny from Kansas, a left tackle. He's going to be shifting probably inside the guard. That's these are my top guys. Like the the what I name twelve or whatever, right? Like those guys that I just named. Those are the guys that I think can start. I think they can come in challenge to start. Maybe they won't. Maybe some of those lower guys that I just casually mentioned won't automatically win a starting job, but they have that potential. The first eight guys that I spent a little bit more time on, I think all of those guys are are just plug and play, ready to go, and so. For the Lions that need a player, there are options, and there are a lot of options. Now, I'm not saying that means you just need to wait because the talent level goes down if you wait too long, but I could see them pick one of these interior guys at 29 or in a second round or at either one of their third-round spots and ask them to come in and try and win a starting role. Interesting that on offense, the Lions positions of need, wide receiver, offensive tackle, and interior offensive lineman, are actually, you know, three of the four position groups in this draft class on offense that are also very deep. 
you know, yeah. quarterbacks deep, you know, for this, this year. But other yeah. than that, it's wide receiver, offensive tackle and offensive guard, which works out great for the lions. You know, hopefully they're very much in good position to take, you know, the player who they actually want, you know, the guy who are there, who they're actually eyeing. I, I wonder, yeah. I wonder how much of that is planned. You know what I mean? Because like, we know they look ahead, right? But I don't think Brad's the type of guy that's like, Hey, the, you know, the uh, the linebacker class isn't as good next year, so we're going to take Jack Campbell this year. Type. I don't think he's that type yeah, of guy. I, I think I he's just going to take the best guy available. I think it just is a happy coincidence. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. Plus, things can change a lot in one oh, year yeah. with Certainly. college football prospects. Certainly. You know. You're absolutely right. All right, flipping over to the defensive side of the ball. Definitely another position of need is defensive tackle. There's roughly 30 of these guys that are going to be at the combine as well. You've got a bunch of guys at the top that you're you're targeting here. Yeah. Um, Byron Murphy is, uh, I think, probably the top of this class. He is an elite uh, pass rusher from the interior, um, like Ed Oliver type of ceiling to him. He It's one of these happy coincidences where when you look at like PFF's like ratings, and you're like, hey, you know, who's the best pass rusher according to PFF? It's usually like some guy from some small school who has like, you know, a, the, a great situation. It's it's rarely a, the guy who you look at and say, this is the best pass rusher in this draft class. Oh, and he also happens to be the best pass rusher graded out as well. Uh, and Murphy fits that bill. He's He was the highest rated pass rusher by PFF. You see that on tape. He is a penetrator. Uh, he's a uh, very fast three technique, real quick first step. You put him next to Aleem, and you have a pretty uh, exciting tandem of guys that can that can attack through the middle. Um, Newton from Illinois is he's a little bit more balanced. He's not quite as elite of a pass rusher as Murphy, but he's a better run defender, like a lot better run defender. And so uh, Newton is a guy who is going to be someone who should be heavily considered because of his balance and the, how much the lions prioritize stopping the run. And speaking of stopping the run, uh, to sweat from Texas, There's the guy, he is PFF's number one run defender. And so, and like Newton's like just a tick behind him, but like, so Texas had the number one pass rusher and the number one run defender, basically just playing next to each other. Now Ooh, sweat in the final four. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Sweat is a monster. Uh, he is huge. Six four and six four plus. His weight ranges anywhere from three forty six to three sixty four. He is way all over the map. Uh, he's played. He looks like he's in the three sixties. That's for certain. Um, but he's got a lot of athleticism. Caught, and, a, uh, caught a touchdown pass. Or did he run it in? I can't remember. Yeah. He, yeah, he caught it. He lined up at tight end in the in the college football playoff and caught it and caught a touchdown pass. Or was that the Big 12? That was Big 12. Big um, 12. Yeah. So um he has he had like five or seven snaps on offense this year. I don't remember which one. So a couple of them were at fullback, a couple of them were at tight end. But anyway, he's he is the premier run defender in this class. So you want to, you want to have a run defender. You want to lean to play the three technique 
Sweat is your best option at the nose tackle, and uh, he, like most nose tackles, probably isn't going in the first round. So he could be there in the second, or if you want to take him in the first, uh, you might have that option because I don't think I, I don't I'm not sure if anybody else will, um, especially because he's all he was kind of skirting the weight issue thing here. It'd be interesting to see what he shows up at. Um, at, at the combine this week, Chris Jenkins, uh, the Michigan product son of, uh, Chris Jenkins senior is, um, is that, is that right? Is he, yeah, it's Chris Jenkins junior, right? Yeah, Isn't he? Yeah. I yeah. believe so. Um, I don't know if he's a junior, but yeah, yeah his dad um, was also named Chris Jenkins. Yeah. Yeah. His, uh, his dad is, uh, I don't know why I blanked on that there for a second, but his dad is, uh, was another massive nose tackle in the NFL for a decade. Six five uh, three sixty, and uh, the younger Chris is a little different. Uh, started out at defensive end. He went to Michigan as what they called their anchor defensive end, which is the position Rashawn Gary played. Uh, but like his dad, Jenkins kind of drifted more into the middle as opposed to trying to stick outside. And as he drifted to the middle. You you saw him having to two gap a lot more, especially when a lot, when the the Wolverines introduced the Ravens system uh, the last couple of years. So he's got a lot of NFL system experience, a lot of Raven system, a lot of two gapping experience. But he is as an athlete, he's one of the better athletes uh, in, in the class at the position. So he's still going to be able to give you that three technique. So he's he, you didn't see a ton of penetration from him because that's not what he was asked to do. But I think that skill set is there, especially, you know, when you consider he used to be a defensive end. Um, so pass rushing, you know, pass rushing potential three technique with the two gapping experience. That's going to fit right in with the Lions as well if they were interested. Uh, Braden Fisk from Florida State is uh, another nice three technique. Uh, his, his stock is he's starting to get more attention right now. Uh, and then his his running partner, Fabian Lovett. Uh, the nose tackle over at Florida state. He came from, well, one of them came from Western. I forget which one came from Western. I apologize. Uh, but one of them came from Western together. They've, they made a really nice combination and uh, both those guys are kind of on my radar. Um, Michael Hall is a guy that I think a lot of people are going to like because he's a, he's one of the better pass rushers uh, in this class. He's just really, really light. Uh, he's only like 280 pounds. And being that light, uh, I don't know how where he'd fit. He'd almost be a little bit redundant to some of the guys that they have. Brandon Dolores from Oregon, again, it's a light. He's going to fit in that kind of same boat. He's, he's a very athletic three technique that's undersized, but you kind of get that with John Kaminsky and, and Josh Pascal. So, I'm not sure exactly it, how well those guys would fit in on the radar uh, with the Lions, and so I like the guys at the top. I like uh, I like the first five that I that I brought up. Um, I think all five of the you know Murphy, Newton, Sweat, Jenkins, Fisk combination; those guys are all guys that can come in and make make an, an immediate impact. Obviously, the the if you take one of the higher ones, it's going to be a quicker bigger impact but i still think some of those other guys that i mentioned are are definitely capable of coming in trying to and trying to win a starting job Braden fisky from michigan city indiana attended there western michigan 
for the first what four years of his career because he was a redshirt yeah. senior last year. Yep. Thank yeah. you. Edge defenders, another position in need for the Lions, but more from the aspect of uh, another pass rusher. You know, somebody to pair with Hutchinson to uh, provide some pressure from the opposite side. Uh, once again, a bevy of players, about 30 mm-hmm. guys that'll be at the combine. You've got some guys peppered all over the place where the Lions yeah. might be looking at. Yeah, you know, so at the top, the two guys that are at the top challenging for that top spot are Dallas Turner from Alabama and Jared verse uh, from Florida state. They're probably going to go in the, in the top 20, uh, both of them, in my opinion, uh, it'd take a lot for the Lions to trade up and get them. But if they did, you know, I think, I think they're, they're worth that. They're worth that top selection, right? They're, they're worth a top 20 pick in my opinion. Um, Latu from UCLA from a talent perspective is right there with them. The concerning thing for me with Latu was he was at Washington and he had neck surgery and Washington medically retired him. They would Mm. not, they would not play him. So he left, took a year off and then went to UCLA, UCLA cleared him. And then he played, and then they played two years at UCLA without issue. Um, and he feels confident that that is behind him. And we've seen some history of this. We've seen this happen a couple of times with edge rushers in the past where they don't get medically cleared from one school transfer and get in. And then they end up in the NFL, uh, someday there was a kid from Miami that, that did that. Um, it was drafted pretty early as well. Um, I'm blanking on his name though, but it's not uncommon. So medicals will be a big thing for him. Uh, possible his stock drops a little bit because people will be concerned about the neck talent wise. He's at, he's near the top of the class. If you get near the bottom or of the first round, there's two guys that tend to pop up the most uh, chop Robinson and Darius Robinson chop Robinson is the kid out of Penn state who people are saying athletically, he will uh, compare to Micah Parsons. You're going to see a guy who is about the same size of Micah Parsons, who's going to run like Micah Parsons, who's going to jump like Micah Parsons. Uh, but he just doesn't, he doesn't have the, the experience that Micah had coming out um, as uh, athletic talent galore, but he's not as polished right now. He wins on his athleticism. He doesn't win on his technique. So he's going to have to learn and develop that technique. That's why we're talking about him at the end of the first round, instead of the top of the first round. Uh, but athletically, He's going to be a guy that you're going to watch at the combine and go, holy cow, this guy can absolutely fly. Uh, fun fact, his name is Chop. Is That's not his real name. That's his, uh, his nickname. Because when he was born, he was 14 pounds when he <laughs> was born. And they called him Pork Chop, which he shortened to Chop. And he is Chop Robinson because he was a massive baby. Right. Uh, Dar- Darius Robinson is from Michigan, another Michigan-born guy who um, uh, played out at Missouri. He is more of a defensive end, defensive tackle, used to play defensive tackle. Uh, he, when he played, he was like, he, so he's like 6'5". When he played defensive tackle, he was like 302. Uh, when they shifted him out to defensive end, he dropped down to 286. So he lost, um, you know, not quite 20 pounds, a little over, you know, 15 or whatever, right? 17 pounds. Um, but he dropped some weight. He's his 
his game is going to remind you a bit of, of Cam Jordan. He's going to be kind of like that. A little bit redundant to the uh, Pasco-Kaminsky combo at the same time. He's a better pass rusher than both of those guys. And he has run defending chops. He can also kick inside. So you, he, from a system standpoint, he fits the system like a glove. Uh, very much a Dan Campbell type of guy. And the Lions have have met with him at the Combine. Uh, I believe they've, uh, just to clarify, they met with Darius Robinson. They also met with uh, Braylon Trice. Now, Braylon Trice from Washington is basically, in a lot of ways, a clone from a work ethic standpoint of Aiden Hutchinson. Okay? He played more snaps than any defensive lineman in college football. He played 750 snaps. That's and because of that, he ended up having an insane pressure number. He led the he led college football in pressures. He had like he had 77 or 80 of them or something like that. Um so he led the league in snaps, led the league in pressures. That is and he basically never leaves the field, never turns his motor off. Is always go, 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 go. It's the same mentality that Aiden Hutchinson has, right? The same mentality that that the Max Crosby's of the world have. Um, but he's he's you know, he's six, three and a half, two seventy, so he's still big. Uh, but he can be more he can stand up a little bit more, he can do a little bit more range of things. Um, but from a work ethic standpoint, again, gonna fit absolutely right in with what they're looking for. Another guy that kind of fits into this mold is Marshawn Nealand, another Michigan native who is who's a guy who uh, has also met with the Lions at the Combine. He is 6'3", close to 270 as, uh, as well. He is arguably the best run defending edge rusher in this class. So if the Lions are sticking with there, we want to have an elite run defense. Nealand is a guy who's going to be probably high on their list because of his run defending skills. Um, he'll be up there. He's going to be, he's a guy you could take and, and just be, a, you know, ecstatic with him. If you got him in the second round type of thing, other guy you might get in the second round is Chris Braswell from Alabama. Uh, the trick here with Braswell is now you're shifting the type of edge rusher. Instead of getting these guys that are going to be like playing opposite Aiden, now you're getting like more of like a Sam linebacker guy that's going to be playing as like a fifth on the line defensive lineman. And you're going to be playing him next to John Kaminsky or outside of just outside of John Kaminsky. And he's going to answer your, your questions about, you know, what, who can we get to fill that Sam role? Well, if you draft him, he's going to do it right. Like, and you, if you get him in the second round, that's worth it. It's worth the price to get him to get a Sam linebacker that can fill that missing void. in what you were looking for up front last year, you can get that in Chris Braswell. Um, might also get that in Austin Booker. Austin Booker is from, is from Kansas wildly raw. Um, he, I think, 95% of his college football snaps came in 2023. If I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. um, he has incredible athleticism. His ceiling is, is super, super high. Uh, but he just, he's played one year. That's it. 
like you've one year experience and that's pretty much the end of it. So you have no idea if he's going to be able to replicate that. You have no, you don't really have a good idea on if he's going to be able to transition, but his athleticism is going to be out there where somebody's going to take a run at this guy because of the intangibles that he has. Another guy I like in the, in the third round is Jonah Ellis from Utah, Luther Ellis's son, another one of Luther Ellis's son, Michigan connection. Right. And uh, he's another guy who can kind of play that, that, that Sam role. Um, really good pass rush, really good work ethic, really good mentality. Doesn't really turn the motor off. Just go, 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 go. Um, good bloodlines. Dad played in the NFL. His brother plays in the NFL for the saints. He's off ball line. Caden uh, Ellis and with the saints, he's a starter for them now. Um, so good bloodlines, good work ethic, good, uh, good, skill set to play on that edge and a guy you can probably get in the third round. And again, fill that a very important Sam type of role um, that was just absent last year. I like one more Sam guy. Actually, I like two more Sam guys. Um, Javon Solomon uh, from Troy. He's a guy you might get at the end of the third round. Maybe he falls into day three. He's going to, he's going to remind you of James Houston. He's got, he's almost the identical size to James Houston. And he's basically just a pure pass rusher. That's all he does, but he's really, really good at it. And uh, he's a guy who's going to be on my radar as well. Uh, I like Jalen Harrell from Michigan as well in this role. Harrell is still um, a bit raw because he was only used as a pass rusher at Michigan. Um, He's, in my opinion, I thought he did well on setting the edge. Uh, other analysts disagree, but again, this is a guy you, you you probably get in on day three, and can challenge for that Sam role, which again is a is kind of one of those that I've identified as I want to find a Sam linebacker at some point in this draft, and I do think there's some options. There's uh, in round two, three maybe four and then maybe five. I think those you could each one of those guys could kind of fit in those five in those rounds there. And all of them could be uh, important upgrades for the lions. All right. Switching position groups again. Let's talk about off the ball linebackers, which surprisingly, if we were talking at this time last year, what we'd be looking forward to the 2024 NFL drafts, like, well, they'll probably need more linebackers and, no, it's the, right. probably the strongest <laughs> position group on the defense. There will be over 20 guys at the combine, and you have a few targeted late-round picks yeah. potentially targeted for the Lions to be looking at. Yeah, well, I mean, look, they return their top five linebackers, right, because they just re-signed Jalen Reeves-Maben this week, and so their top five linebackers come back. So basically, if you draft a linebacker, he's linebacker six. That's his best role. The good news for him is the Lions keep six linebackers. They have all three years. They have roles for them. Special teams is important. And so you need a linebacker that can play special teams. And the guys I kind of like picked out are guys I think can play special teams. Um, Steel Chambers uh, from Ohio State is a former running back. Great name. You know, and he's and he's he's a good, really good run defender. He's it's weird. Like he almost it's almost like the run game is in his DNA, right? Cause he's a, this former running back, 
where he knows where the gaps are and he knows where the running back is going to try and go and he gets there first, or he knows when to hesitate and wait. And then, you know, um, and then, you know, slide down, uh, you know, the back of the, 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 the line and then shift outside. And like, there's, he has really good instincts when it comes to the run game. And there's, if there's one trend with this class of linebackers is that 90% of them, their instincts are terrible. Like they're, it's just, it's a crazy class where like almost all of them, they're like, well, bad instincts, bad instincts. I don't like his, like I saw that so much watching the linebacker film this year. Chambers, I think has pretty good instincts, especially as a, as a run defender. Uh, so I like his upside. I think he can be a really good special teams contributor as well. Cedric Gray is going to be one of the more athletic linebackers that you are going to find. Linebacker, athletic linebackers are a big deal to the Lions. Outside of Reeves Mabin, all the other linebackers have really high RAS scores uh, because they that fits the scheme. They need athletic guys, so a guy like Cedric Gray is going to show up. Highly athletic, highly productive, hits with an attitude. Uh, he's attacks downhill. He's the type of guy where when he hits you, he wants you to know that he hits you. Um, Nathaniel Watson is the same way. Now, Watson's a bit bigger. Um, Tevin Wallace is the same way. He's a bit bigger. I think Watson and Wallace. Uh, so Watson's from Mississippi state. Wallace is from Kentucky. Both those guys are, are good enough pass rushers as off the ball guys that they can also challenge for the Sam. Um, last year, the lions tried to force a off the ball guy into that Sam role because they couldn't get anybody else to fill it uh, from the edge group. And if they want to continue that route where they're like, hey, we want a off the ball talented, uh, an off the ball style player to be able to pass rush, uh, Nathaniel Watson from Mississippi State and Tevin uh, Wallace, uh, Trevin Wallace from Kentucky are guys that I think have that kind of range. Um, both of them really are good pass rushers. I think Watson was considered the, I think he had 35 pressures, which was most uh, amongst the off ball linebackers in this class. And um, when they both attack downhill, they both attack with uh, some veracity. Last guy on my list is Michael Barrett uh, from Michigan. He was recruited. He was a dual threat quarterback at in high school, recruited as an athlete. They tr- wanted to, they thought about working him in at running back, ended up shifting him to linebacker. Uh, in 2020, he broke into the starting lineup as a, as a Viper in Michigan's uh, scheme. If you remember Don Brown's Viper that was made mm-hmm. famous by Jabril Peppers, um, that's what Michael Barrett was. Michael Barrett was supposed to be along those same lines where he was going to fill that Peppers role. Uh, then John Brown gets fired, and they hire <laughs> the Ravens in, and the Ravens scheme comes in. And uh, he shifts to Will. He still starts uh, starts the last two years in that in that scheme, and he is uh, named a captain last year. Uh, reminds me in a lot of ways of uh, Reeves Maven. He's a guy who's going to play all five special teams phases. Uh, he has all the he has he's underrated athleticism. Uh, he he's good in coverage. He can be like your Will linebacker in nickel packages, but he's going to be a dominating special teams player at the next level, in my opinion. And that's something that you want in your linebacker six, if you're the Lions. All right. That's it for the linebacking crew. Going back to the biggest position in need on the team, cornerback. 40 (laughs) guys are going to be at the combine playing corner alone. 
you've got several right at the top that the line should be taking a peek at. Yeah, it's it's like with the interior offensive line. All the top guys are guys that you're going to want to take a look at. Some are going to fit better than others, um, but the ones that aren't even perfect fits are still talented enough that you're going to consider them. Top is uh, top of the class is going to be uh, uh, Tron Arnold from Alabama. Um, he is uh, very talented, right? Like he's not elite. Right. He's not like the he's not like a Jalen Ramsey uh, where he's going to step in and he's not like a sauce gardener. Where sauce he's going to step in and, and win rookie of the year. Right. He's not he's not one of those guys, uh, but he's a guy who is pr- going to come in. He's going to start. And then a couple years down the road, he's going to be like really, really good. And then you're going to be like, wow. OK, now I understand why he went where he went uh, a couple years from now. He, uh, but he'll start. Maybe he'll struggle. But the talent's there. Uh, Quinion Mitchell is the guy that I really like uh, out of Toledo. A lot of talent, a lot of things that I liked. Um, in my, a lot of things I like in my cornerbacks. He has speed, aggression. He's sticky. He's um, really good as a run defender. Uh, just a, a, there's just a lot of, and the mentality is just there that fits in perfectly with the Lions. Um, the other guy that's going to fit in perfectly with the Lions is uh, Ennis Rakestraw from Missouri, another very hard-nosed player who is one of the best run defenders in this class, uh, which is something you absolutely are going to need to do as a Lion. So he 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 gets really low PFF scores in his man coverage. I think they're a little bit harsh on him. I don't think this man... Uh, coverage was nearly as bad as what they were. Uh, they graded him like below average, which I disagree with. Um, he's comfortable in zone. I thought he did real well in zone, but he can, but he's also has the physicality to pr- play press man. He's a guy I think is in play at 29. Uh, Cooper DeGene from Iowa. Uh, he will not be at the combine because he has a leg injury, but he's a guy you need to be conscious of. He is a uh, outside outside corner in zone that if he plays more man probably needs to shift either into the slot or back to safety if your scheme calls for that. He has a lot of range. Uh, he re- his, a lot of his qualities remind me of Brian Branch. Uh, instinctual, uh, makes plays on the ball properly, knows how to be in the right spots. Uh, anticipates the passing lanes, makes plays on the ball very quickly, hits like a ton of bricks. Like there's a lot of those things. Like putting him and Branch in the same uh, secondary would be a lot of fun. I just don't know if the Lions are going to stick with you know more man concepts. Can he play man on the outside? in a, in a more man heavy scheme. I know the lines are going to try to be more balanced. And if that's the case, he's very much in play, but if they are looking at, if they're looking at him and saying, I don't know if he can play man, you know, 60% of the time or 50% of the time, like it's a little harder. It's a little harder sell. I love him as a player though. Absolutely love him. Nate Wiggins is a guy uh, out of Clemson that a ton of analysts love. And they're going to love him because he's one of the better cover corners in this class. And so that's uh, extremely fun to like, but at six, two, he's only 185 pounds. He's, he's light, right? Real light. 
And because mm-hmm. he's light, he doesn't put his nose into the business, right? He doesn't, he's not a great run defender. He's not as aggressive. Um, he focuses more on being a, a pass coverer and that's fine. And that's going to suit a lot of teams really well. I don't know if it's going to suit the lions as well. Would it be great to have him as a, his level of pass coverage in the secondary? A hundred percent. It would be better. It would be an upgrade. It would be fantastic. I just don't know if his, his lack of contributions in the run game or his hesitancy in the run game is going to appeal to the lions as much as, um, you know, some of the other guys in this class that are, all stout run defenders. The guy who really is probably subconsciously going to be the pick is Kool-Aid McKinstry or McKinstry, right? Kool-Aid is started the year as uh, CB one uh, didn't really develop while everyone else kind of did. And so he just kind of got stuck eventually became like CB two at Alabama. And um, he's kind of, he's got a bad rap because of it, because he didn't take that next step that a lot of the other guys did. People have wondered if he's tapped out. Is he at his ceiling? Even if he's at his ceiling, he's still a first round corner. He's still really, really talented. Um, six, one, almost 200 pounds, another really, really good run defender. And, um, his coverage skills aren't quite, you know, where they, where they need to be. And the question is, can you develop them? If you can, He's going to be a steal at 29. If you can't, um, he may slide into day two. But I think Kool-Aid is a guy that just makes a ton of sense for the Lions for a lot of reasons, including, you know, his name. Um, (laughs) Kamari Lasseter from Georgia is going to be another guy that gets a lot of attention. Um, I'm not as high on him um, because of some of his intangibles, but he has – he has a lot of the grit factor, right? Um, more comfortable on the outside in zone. And so you kind of get this Cooper DeGene effect where if you're going to play more zone, then you're going to move him up the board a little bit more. But if you're going to play a little bit more man, he's, he might kick inside the nickel. Um, I still think he's a, he's really good. I think he's really talented. I don't know if I can bump him ahead of the other six, though, at this at this point. TJ Tampa was Mel Kuyper's pick to the projected pick to the lions this week. Uh, and that's, you know, it's about a round too early for me, but that's pretty typical with Mel Kuyper <laughs> drafts. Um, TJ Tampa is big and he is uh, physical and he fits a lot of what the lions want. He's just not there in my opinion, in the first round conversation. Uh, I, I mean, I got, I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at these guys a little bit more detailed and maybe I'll uncover something that I didn't see the first time. Cause that's happened. Uh, that happened with the safeties for sure. But I see a second rounder. I see a second rounder with upside and he's big and physical and there's a lot to like, but I just don't, uh, I, I don't see him at pick 29. Mike Sanders still is a guy who makes no sense to go to the lions, <laughs> but but I absolutely He's one of your all time favorite players. I'm sure I, I love him like with almost everything I have. Um, he's a football player. If, if you, if Brad Holmes is drafting football players, then Mike Sanderson is on his board, right? If he's looking at, at, at the Mike, look, Mike's, listed i think at 510 or 511 he's going to be 59 
Like he's just, he's going to be, he's, he's just not that tall. And he's probably going to be like five, nine, 175 pounds, maybe 180 if he's lucky, but he is so good. He's, he's a team leader. He's a two-time captain. Uh, he'll, most teams are going to force him inside and say, look, you're, you're just not big enough at five, nine. You're not going to be able to cover six, four guys. Um, so there's no real starting role for him, right? There's no clear path because you have Brian branch at the same time. I love football players. And if you love <laughs> football players, you love Mike Sanderson. And so I am not going to budge uh, off of my projection of him. I think he is a second round pick and pro- and should go in the top 50, in my opinion, might be there at the end of the second round. Uh, and if the Lions took him in the, at the end of the second round, I'd be the, a very happy guy. <laughs> um, there's a lot of nickelbacks now. Now we start getting into more nickelbacks, more guys that, um, you know, are, again, aren't going to be perfect fits. Um, Phillips from Kentucky is more of a nickelback. Uh, Abram Strain from Missouri, I think, can be is, is an outside guy. A lot of teams might want to kick him inside as well. Um, Kyrie Jackson from Oregon is actually a, 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 a later, you know, maybe you're going to get him in a, at, at the, where the Lions pick in the third round. He's a bigger guy. Like he's like six, almost six, four, uh, over 200 pounds. Then Cam Hart is six, three over 200 pounds. These are big corners who have some athleticism, have some upside, but they, there's, they're, they're still a little bit raw. If you were to sign a free agent, uh, cornerback. And you're like, hey, I have Chidobi Uze now as in one of my starting roles. And you targeted Kyrie Jackson or Cam Hart in the third round. You're a lot better on defense. A lot better if those guys are your CB3s, right? So these are guys that I like uh, in on day two. And um, I think would be very good upgrades to, to where the Lions are. Then when you get to day three, guys like uh, Kalen Carson, from from Wake Forest uh, is is a bit of an underrated guy. Um, let me see who else I like. Uh, I got to roll through my list real fast. I don't have anybody like flagged, uh, but I don't. I don't. I also don't want to spend too much time just waxing on on this class because I think this is a position where they need to go early. They need to go after, try and get one of these guys early to add depth. Even if they add a guy in free agency, because there's some talented players in this draft. There's some guys that, that fit really well. Uh, those are the guys that kind of stood out to me. All right, then let's go back to the safety category. Uh, they seem to be set. Well, I start with Kirby Joseph and Ify Malafonwu as the two safeties, but they yep. certainly need to add depth. They certainly may be looking for a guy who can also play, you know, partially that nickel role to share it with Brian Branch. Sure. The guy that, that, so I think Tyler Newbin from Minnesota is going to be your top guy. Um, he is, he's a ball hawking, single high, two high safety. Uh, who's probably going to go in the second round. That's probably going to be too rich for the Lions. Uh, Cameron Kitchen, Kitchens from Miami. Uh, more of a, he's going to fit your split zone. He's going to play more of a high, but I also think he's a second rounder, which is again, is too, too high for me. If you start to, if you take a safety in the third round, I'm actually okay with that because again, 
third round is kind of the developmental round for me at this stage. And so I'm, I'm okay. If they were to take a third, you know, to get a safety, who's going to be a third safety with the potential to step in and start if they needed to. The guy who's highest on my board is Javon Bullard from Georgia. He played their kind of star position, which is very similar to Brian Branch, um, what Brian played at Alabama. I kind of wrote him off, right? Um, I watched him play. He played in the slot. I was like, oh, he's a good player, but you're not going to draft that guy in the in, on day two um, just to back up Brian Branch. So I kind of put him off the side. When I went back and I reviewed the safety class again, I watched him more of his game. I saw more uh, instances of him playing too deep. And I was very impressed. I was very impressed with what he did at the two deep. And so I think there's going to be some teams that look at him and say, he's a slot. We're going to turn him into our version of Brian Branch. And I totally get that. But for the Lions, I think he can step in and back up all of those spots. He can back Mm -hmm. up Iffy, Kirby, and Brian Branch. He's that talented. And so would you be willing to pay a third rounder for a guy that can back up all those spots? A hundred percent. Yeah. Right. So, and I think he's, he's super talented. Uh, if you get a guy who, if, if he gets injured, someone gets injured and you need him to, and you need Buller to step in, I think he's capable. He's a, he's a highly talented guy that I think you can get in the third round. That would be a steal. I love all parts of his game. Very aggressive, very instinctive, good in run support has good ball hawking skills, good range. It might not be the fastest guy out on the field, but again, that's okay. Like if you have good instincts, you can supplement that. And so for me, I like Bullard quite a bit. I also like Cole Bishop. He was the guy who I thought was going to be like my number one target at safety group because he stood out for me all year, split zone defender who uh, probably lives more near the box. Um, And so you're going to have to use him a little bit more situationally, but he can play in those deep roles as well. Very complete player. Um, very good tackler, very good instincts. He, he, he likes to hit you. And so I think Cole Bishop is, is, is a very talented guy. His running mate at Utah, Sion uh, Vaki, um, he's more of that box defender as well. They kind of, both those guys kind of fit the, the, that box role. Vaki though is probably going late. Uh, but he fits the, I will do anything for the team mentality. So Utah injures there has a, a run of injuries at their running back room. And they're like, Holy cow. We don't have enough running backs to give our current running backs breaks. We need to pull someone in from another position. And Vaki says, Oh yeah, I'm a starting safety. Yeah, I'll play running back for you too <laughs> as well. So he pulled double duty this year. He played both ways. He played running. He was a, he was a supplemental running back for them as well as a starting safety. And he did it because they needed someone to do it. Right. And and that type of mentality, that's going to get you drafted. That's going to get you drafted. It's going to get you and keep you in the league uh, for a long time. And so that appeals to me. Um, Taylor Demerson from Texas tech, another guy who I think is multi-positional. He's, comfortable in split zone. He can play both those high spots plus a nickel. Um, he's a bit undersized. May have to grab him in the third round. Maybe he slips into into the 
the the earlier parts of, of day three. Another guy that I think can is talented enough to play like multiple spots. And that's appealing to me. There's only a couple of guys in my in this class that can do that from the safety standpoint. Bullard and the and Taylor Demerson, in my opinion, can they can both do that. And that's appealing for what the Lions are looking for. Um, last guy I targeted uh in my watch list was Ryan Watts who played corner at Ohio state. And then he played corner at Texas. But when you look at him play, he's a safety. He looks like a safety. Uh, and, and you could, I could, I could see him take the, the iffy Melifon route where you're using those kind of off ball coverage skills to, to learn how to play a, to learn how to play safety. You make your hay on special teams over the first couple of years and develop into a safety. He's not going to be safety three. He's going to be safety four right? Like he's a developmental guy. He's not a guy that's ready to step in and uh, you know, you're getting him late because of that. So, but he's, he's appealing to me because he's, he's talented enough to play corner and stay at corner both at Ohio state and Texas yet. He's not going to be a corner in the NFL. In my opinion, there's a couple other guys in there who are interesting that I didn't like as much uh, guys that I had rated higher that I ended up s- stepping back from. Um, but those five guys I thought did enough to uh, impress me where I, I, I identified things about them that I, I thought fit with the lines. Finally, special teamers, basically the kickers. I guess you could watch any of one of those kickers. Yeah. I don't know much. I really don't. I, 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 I would hope the Lions my... don't draft a kicker, even though they need one, <laughs> but hopefully they avoid drafting one. Yeah. I've, I've poured myself over the on-field players, uh, not the specialists. Um, everybody loves the Alabama kicker. Uh, the, the Richard, uh, Josh Reichard. Reichard. Jeez. Oh, peace. My, yeah. my, bi- my bifocals are not working this late at night. Apparently. <laughs> um uh Cardi from Stanford, Cam Little from Arkansas, and uh Mevis from Missouri. Those are the guys that are gonna be at the combine. You might see one of them run a 40, and that'll be that'll that's be for end. fun. Yeah. yeah, that'll be the end of it. You will because you right. won't see them participate in any drills or really do anything. So you won't really it's we'll learn more about the kickers as we get a little d- bit deeper in the offseason. You don't really need to know them for the combine. Well, I don't know. That's a, that's a comprehensive rundown of potential Lions targets. Guys, if you're going to watch the combine over the next few days, those are the guys to watch, you know, maybe take an interest in and, and, and dig a little deeper for yourself. I don't know. Do you have anything else to add? No, I'm, I think I'm tired of listening to myself at this point. Um, it's always a pleasure to listen to you go on about all these <laughs> fellas, these this is your your bread and butter, that's for sure. Well, I tell you, I have uh I've really had to work to get back to this point because uh that playoff I, run took a lot of uh free time out of you. Because I normally start like so I do my draft watch list during the season where I'm just like, casually watching these guys, learning about names, identifying players, watching them on Saturdays or Sundays or whatever day they play Friday night sometimes. Um and I'm and I'm just consuming it as almost like a fan and just kind of learning about these guys. And then when the college season ends right around Thanksgiving, the Lions are 
they have been out of it typically right. in the past. And so that would be I've it. been able yeah. I've been I've been able to spend more time uh from through December and January. And uh with this run going into January, I lost like two months of my like deep film work. And so I have been really burning the candle here trying to get to this point. There's still a lot of players I'm still learning about. Uh, so if I missed your favorite guy, uh, apologies in advance because I don't know all of them. Eric I have, hasn't got to him yet. I have I have gone through a ton of guys though, and so but I haven't got all of them. And some of them I've watched small bits. Like I only I've only been able to look at it a little bit, and then that's it. Other guys I've been able to get deeper on, and if I find something that I like, I'll dig a little deeper. But, um. I need something to draw me back in and watch the film and try and expand on it. And that's hopefully what the combine provides for us. Right. Hopefully we see something at the combine where it's like, Whoa, I didn't expect that from this guy. I didn't see it. Uh, when I watched a couple of his games, now I'll go back. I'll look a little deeper. Maybe I'll uncover some different guys as we go. Um, because I'm playing catch up just like uh, a lot of analysts are playing catch up to NFL teams. NFL teams already know what they want. Like at this point, they've already got their board set. They're, they're doing interviews to kind of, you know, move people up and down a little bit. Athletically, they're just checking boxes, but the teams are, they teams are basically ready. Uh, and now they're just going to spend the next month, like kind of finalizing and going over things and, and cross-checking. Uh, but the rest of us, we're trying to play catch up. And so, uh, hopefully this is a good, uh, platform for uh for people to like or hopefully a good podcast uh, that people can use to as a reference to, and get them kind of set up if you subscribe to the patreon uh our patreon um at patreon slash i don't know i think it's detroit lions breakdown or whatever it is you can you can google detroit lions breakdown patreon it'll be right there uh but if you are subs are a subscriber for that I'm going to try and get myself a new board out to everyone tonight. If I can, hopefully it will be like Thursday morning. So you can have an updated board going into the combine. Then as the combine numbers come in after it takes me a while to kind of start loading them in and then free agency comes in that slows me down again. So um, I'm going to try and get a, an updated board to you guys and um if you uh, give you something to, you know, help you enjoy the process a little bit more over the next four days. All right. We had a little bit of movement on uh, Apple podcasts and Spotify awesome. for reviews. So awesome. that's good to see. So thank you to everybody who did that. And thank you everybody else for listening. I don't know. That's all we got for this week, right? We'll, we'll do a little combine wrap up in our next podcast. That sounds like, and then a little, we'll also have to preview free agency probably on our next podcast as well, because um, the free agency is right around the corner. It's uh, less than two weeks where we're Monday. The 11th is when tampering begins and then officially free agency opens on the 13th. But as we know, the tampering uh, window is really like kind of the official kickoff and, and that goes, that's going to go real fast uh, on Monday, the 11th. So that's, 10 days away at this point or a little over. All right. So that's it. That's it for us. So until next time, let's go lions.